0: Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne.
1: Well, I hope you're all well. Happy New Year. I've been saying that for the past few weeks. Hard to believe we're nearly into the end of January and still saying Happy New Year. But anyway, let's have a Happy New Year. We've all heard the extraordinary statistics of how many inmates end up back in prison in the United States soon after their release, their parole. I've heard numbers as high as the majority of a given prison population returning to prison. According to a 1999 report by the Prison Policy Initiative, at least 4.9 million people in America are arrested and booked in jail every year. At least one in four People who go to jail in a given year will return to jail over the course of a year, and at least 428,000 people will go to jail three or more times over the course of a year 12 months. And this was the first national estimate of a population often referred to as frequent utilizers. It's really distressing. It's depressing, it's sad, and something is clearly wrong. This is bad news for everyone. Let's leave the debate on bail reform for some future episode. We know something dangerous, sinister, and unacceptable is happening in places like New York City, with some folks who've done some really bad things walking the streets of New York with semen impunity. It's quite mad. It's quite diabolical. But there may be great hope and great promise in programs that aim to rehabilitate former prisoners and inmates once they step back into civilian life. We're talking about programs that offer purpose, leadership, life skills, good middle class salaries and all of this supervised by responsible and... I. I have to admit and acknowledge this, inspired leadership. Philco Carting in New York City is at the forefront of one of these programs. Philco has teamed up with Labourers Local 108 on the Pathways to Apprenticeship program. Philco Carting is a leader in commercial waste collection services in New York City and offers job and life skills training sessions to members of what are known as underserved communities, communities in New York which have a lot of troubles. The trainees, 60% of whom were formerly incarcerated, learn about holding down an important job, safety protocols and what life in the workforce is actually like. The program operated by Philco trains participants for careers in waste removal. And another stat: the program to date has assisted over three hundred people with pathways to apprenticeship. Joining me on this episode to tell us more is Joe Monopoly. He is a manager at Philco Carting in New York, who is involved with this Pathways to Apprenticeship program, and he will give us lots more about the success of the program in my interview with him coming up in a wee
2: moment. I do believe the program is going to grow. And I do believe there is going to be a point where the justice system is going to wake up and have that aha moment and say, we are not doing the job to help rehabilitate and refacilitate these individuals who have been impacted by the system. Yeah, That's why Phil goes here though, because mm-hmm. we're really able to take people in. Yes, you can, if there's baggage, there's baggage. However, the job that we try to train you for Is going to help you sustain a very long and successful career and help you provide for your families and make something of yourself. And it's a good time to
1: be talking about work. Before we hear more from Joseph Monopoly, it's time for our weekly segment of Future Shock 2.0 with workforce trends expert and author Ira Wolf we're in the start of a new year and i got to ask you what are the big disruptors out there i don't think
3: there's going to be anything new but that's always hard in the world we live in as we call never normal as i call it the never normal uh there's something that always seems to pop up but Within that, I think we're going to continue to see just an escalation of some of the issues that we were experiencing in 2022 and 2021. So number one is labor shortages. Uh, inevitably, we're going to continue to see those even if we have a recession. Uh, there's going to be pockets and in industries and jobs that are are just challenging to fill. And one of the reasons is baby boomers are still getting older. They're still retiring. Unfortunately, some are dying. Uh, Immigration, uh, it continues to be debated. Everybody recognizes that it is a solution uh, to helping some of our labor shortage problems. But it's unlikely that anybody in Washington and beyond has the appetite to do anything about it. So we're continuing to see lower immigration. Uh, And then labor participation rates is still puzzling everyone, uh, especially males. Uh, so we, we're, those trends are going to continue to to occur. Uh, and on top of that, we're going to throw in possible recession, wage inflation, wage growth. And again, inflation, it's estimated will go down, hopefully will continue to go down, but we're still going to have wage growth. Uh, a lot of it's catch up from the past and also because of this labor market remote work, we've talked about that or we will be talking about it on on many episodes. Uh, so remote work is going to continue to grow. The demand is there. you know, two-thirds of employees want to have some type of remote work or hybrid option if they can. Uh, and yet there's only one third of employers who ha- want that option. Uh, and because of all this, and maybe this is just is almost uh, this is the icing on the cake, since the pandemic, from 2020 to 2022, there was just an escalating rise in the number of people who were burnt out and stressed out, anxiety in the workplace. Uh, it created health problems. It created absenteeisms. It created the quiet quitting and all these other events that were going on. So behind the scenes, uh, anxiety, work stress, and burnout are going to continue to be high because now people are struggling to figure out how they make their, their paychecks stretch They've still got bills coming in um, they still got higher costs and uh, you know that's going to continue to be a problem so I, I think if we look into 2023 hopefully there's no new unexpected disruption that we we, we miss here but it's it's possible um, but we're going to continuously label shortages wage growth, remote work, stress and burnout
1: well we'll keep watching these disruptors Ira and we will catch up on the next segment of future shock 2.0. More from Ira Wolf next week. Ira is a workforce trends expert, a TEDx talker, and host of the top rated and very popular Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization podcast with Jason Cochran. Coming up in a wee moment is my interview with Joe Monopoly, a manager at Philco Carting in New York City with its successful Pathways to Apprenticeship program, which has a unique way of rehabilitating former prison inmates with careers and a new purpose in their life. We keep digging
0: for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people.
1: My guest is Joe Monopoly, who is a manager on a unique program at Filco Carting in New York City, serving participants from often troubled communities known as underserved communities in our country. The program trains them in commercial waste collection. In this case, the program has had a huge success rate. And in light of the very high numbers of former inmates in our society... At large, who returned to prison repeatedly, this program could be a blueprint for other communities in America to imitate. I'm your host, John Aden Byrne. Joe, welcome to my show. I'm really impressed about what your company is doing, uh, rehabilitating former inmates. I'm, I'm just curious as to how all of this came about and why your company, which is in the waste, carting business how did
2: it get started well first john i would just want to say thank you for having me on the show i really do appreciate it and uh, as well as our entire company we appreciate you for having us on here so the way that we kind of got started in this whole program or at least want to participate in it is because we've always been built on the foundation of giving back and we've done so since we'd opened our doors in 1910 and the way that we decided to get involved was that we were first pitched by the pathways to apprenticeship program from a former team member of ours who is actually a peer mentor for this program. And from there, we decided to say, you know what, why not help them out? you know, Because we're always big believers in giving back, and we want to make sure that we are able to set up people with a uh, sustainable career for the rest of their lives. Give us a sense of the numbers um,
1: that you have recruited or hired and brought into your program who are former inmates.
2: Before I want to get into that, what this, pro- this program is called the Pathways to Apprenticeship Program. And it's actually very unique in its own way. It's designed to help give those justice impacted individuals a reset or some sort of second chance in life that allows them to learn a specific trade. And what they want to do is once they learn that trade, it allows them to sustain and support their families along with the opportunity for them to become successful. And that's why we got involved, because we're a big believer in that. And of these four that this particular program had, we are looking to hire them in the near future. Honestly, yeah. uh, because of the holidays, everything going on, it gets a little hectic. So we're looking to bring them on as soon as, you know, they want the opportunity to. So it's called the
1: Pathway to Apprenticeship Program. And um, there are other uh, companies who are involved with this program, um, I'm sure people who hear this are wondering how does this actually work? We're talking about former inmates and, uh, we know that there's an issue in the criminal justice system in America. And we hear this st- statistic that a lot of former inmates who are released into, into society return back in the prison system. So we clearly have a problem there. Um, so how do you qualify? these inmates to come onto your program? Is there some criteria you lay down? Do they apply to join it or do you scout them, source them? How does that happen?
2: So Philco Carding is actually a partner with Pathways to Apprenticeship. Pathways is its own entity which was founded in 2013 and it was built between you know 12 to 14 different volunteers who want to help grow and form to what it is today. The way that they select their candidates is a unique process where You know, it's all based on the need of, you know, for these apprentices, whether it's someone from local government or representative who wants, you know, to start a program or it's businesses actively looking or vouching for these apprentices to come and look for new team members. Pathy's also has these information sessions that they can have where there's three at night, one during the day. And anyone who's interested, not just those who were formerly incarcerated, can come in and participate. And then they have these uh, sessions with program leaders or former uh, graduates and uh, organizers who, you know, uh, want to share the importance, and the impact that uh, Path History Apprenticeship has. And since 2013, when it first started, it helped over 300 people find a successful career path.
1: It's quite amazing. And it must be emphasized that what you're doing is not new in America, but um, it, maybe in some ways, it's growing. Um as a job resource idea, because we have these labor shortages. That's one thing. And then also separate to that, we have problems in the criminal justice system. And it's one thing serving your time in prison. But if there's no goalposts, if there's no counseling, if there's no, um, career opportunities in the outside world, when they, when they leave the prison system, really it, it's, a former inmate set up for failure. So you kind of address a lot of that.
2: Yes. And I couldn't agree with more what you're saying, because as soon as someone is released, it's a completely new world that they're released into. They have no idea what it was when they first entered the justice system, unfortunately. And that's what the unique part about the program is, is that there's two facets to it. The first part is that it teaches these, you know, either formerly incarcerated or low income individuals, basic life skills, how to pay a bill on time. What's a mortgage? What's workers' rights? What is a union? And then on top of that, the program also teaches them the trade specific uh, skills that they need. So in our case, we're teaching them private sanitation skills and, you know, more of the, the tactical skills that they need in order to become a team member at either Philco or somewhere else where they decide to apply to. So they yeah. really get the best of both worlds when it comes to this program.
1: Jeez. I mean, and also this is a whole, they're introduced to a whole new world, a structured world, a world where they get up in the morning, they show up for work, um, and they're part of the civilian uh, workforce. It, it, it's really a win-win. Um, So they're essentially co-opted into the union as well.
2: Pat, yes, Pathways to Apprenticeship is actually started alongside uh, the Labourers uh, Union 79, which is the Skilled Construction Labourers Union. However, we work with our union local 108, who's more of the private sanitation and in that sort of realm of the union. So Philco and ours and 108 have kind of joined forces on that along with Pathes to Apprenticeship to help bring in more candidates for the private sanitation portion of this program.
1: In, how does it work then in practice? These are, these are former inmates trying to do the right thing um, in terms of supervision and oversight. Um and maybe keeping in touch with with their uh you know with the system out there that so that they're, they're going on the straight and
2: narrow path. I mean, how does that all work? So when someone decides to apply for the program, and I'll explain that later on in this uh, conversation, but they have what are they, like, their peer mentors, and what they do is that they check in with them, similar to you know you check in with you know a doctor or someone similar to see how the progress is going. What the peer mentors do is allows them to form that structure, like you were saying, and say, okay, here's your classes starting Monday. You have to show up to every single class in order to finish the program. And then once you do, you will be set up for future uh, interviews, future job applications, and anything moving forward. But you have to stick to this program first. Because if someone doesn't show up on the first day, I believe that they are X out of the program and then have to reapply again because it's so serious and this is a real opportunity that they need to take advantage of
1: what sort of backgrounds have these um former inmates and what were they charged with why did they spend time in prison what what you know what was some of their track records
2: one of the more unique stories when we first started helping out pathways was that we found an individual who did 20 plus years in the system unfortunately he took someone's life at a young age and then the second time that he was involved in the system was for i believe drug charges or something and along that lines. However, he's one of the most brightest and sweetest individuals that I've met in recent years, and he's really turned a new leaf and started his own family, and that's at the core of why he wanted to join this program, get to sustain his family, and he really had to show them that he was serious about this, and he did, and he was one of the more successful candidates in this entire program, or at least in this private sanitation course.
1: That's great. When you hear those kind of stories, it's heartening and it kind of sends a a positive message out to the wider community that these programs um, have happy endings for for many um, of the former inmates. Uh, What's the sort of general reaction from the public out there uh, when they hear maybe that, oh, it's former inmates are carting my garbage away? Jeez, uh, I mean, I'm just doing devil's advocate here uh do you know is there any negative
2: pushback from what i understand there has not been because i think the focus is not on what they've done in their past it's the focus on the present hmm. and that is these individuals are really starting to get their lives in shape and really focus on themselves and that's the important part and people love a feel-good story so when they notice that someone who's had a darkened past but decides to turn the leaf and go against that that's what i think people are more attracted to and that's why they're so supportive in you know, very proud of this program and what it's done for people. Well, something
1: is needed for um, the whole system. I mean, the statistic I read was that there are at least, there are up to like 2 million people in prison in the United States. That's probably the highest rate per capita in the world. I mean, I think in the Nordic countries, it's um just way way lower in in europe so there's something amiss here and then we have we, we, you know we could go down a rabbit hole talking about uh, the liberal um bail reform measures in new york city and the the crime rate in new york city total an utter disaster and nobody seems to be coming up with any um sensible solutions but isn't one of the sensible solutions is to have people go to work every day who might have had a dark past but now they're on the road to reform
2: that's i believe why at least i was so eager to help out with this program in my own in my own uh, personal life because like, like you said there needs to be some sort of reform obviously however when someone gets up to work every day and has that certain structure it won't allow them to regress and go back to their old ways or before that they were formerly incarcerated you know we don't want a repeat of a system or a repeat of their own past if you want someone to go and continue to sustain their families and make themselves better, that's why we're so eager to help out these individuals. That's what I think everybody should do. If you, if you want to have, you know, if you want to solve an issue, you have to kind of get involved and really go for it and show their support.
1: You know, these are people who, as you described them, come from underserved communities or poorer neighborhoods where uh, crime and unemployment were systemic problems. There was probably massive drug abuse problems, um, just domestic issues. I mean, an endless list, and uh, you know, you know, a tough, a tough situation. And now they're um, on the road to reform. They're working with your company on pathway to apprenticeship program. Do they carry any baggage with them? And I don't mean that in any kind of a, a demeaning way, but when they start in your program, they, these are individuals who have experienced some hurt in their life and and um spent time in prison. Um th- Does that ever show itself and do you have to deal with that? Do you have to show them any tough love? Do they ever sort of fear in the wrong direction and say, hey, you have to come back here and just focus on this?
2: That that's a great question. That's what the peer mentors are for. So path to Apprenticeship has a group of peer mentors and former instructors and former students even, or former practices rather, who help get some some individuals through those uh, darker times, as you said, and that helps them keep them on the track. Because like I said prior, if someone even misses one class or doesn't even show up to the first class, they're nicked from the program. Yeah. It shows how serious and how much dedication there really has to be in order to, you know. Get this program started, you know, and and get them on the path, no pun intended, to a successful career.
1: I know you, we spoke about it before we went on the air and when you, you alluded to it there. Just to be clear, how many, what's the percentage of your employees that have come from this program? Just that we have the numbers here roughly.
2: Right now, we are looking for anyone who ha- is finishing the program. Uh, the first one I finished, I believe they went somewhere else. But we were so supportive to help them along their way and give them the hands-on training needed. However, when the next program starts up in early next year, we're looking to hire right away. We'll take all of them if we have to.
1: Right. But how many have you recruited former inmates have you brought in from the program at your company, Philco?
2: At Philco, uh, unfortunately, they went to other companies. There were other recruiting companies that were involved who decided to recruit them. We gave them hands-on training and we gave them the necessary tools that they needed to learn and then to excel. Okay, And of course, we're, we're open arms, though. If they yep. want to come back, we're here. Yep. And yep, They're very familiar with our facilities now, so they know what to expect.
1: So in other words, they can stay within the industry. That's correct. And stay within the union. Yes. They may be working for another company. And so these are well-paid jobs. Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, I've heard anywhere up to a hundred thousand for somebody in that position.
2: What I think is very interesting is that a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of how not only well paying the waste industry can be, but honestly, how very important it is to stay safe, and how very, you know, oh, what's the word? How sometimes how dangerous it is. You know, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the dirtiest, no pun intended, jobs in the industry and in the world. And someone's going to do it. So that's why we have the best team members possible to help get the job done. Everyone's in tip-top shape. You know, you have to be 25 years old to drive one of our trucks. We we do safety trainings once, twice a month even, two every week. There's pre and post inspections every time a truck goes out and back into our site. Make sure that everybody is trained on every single safety protocol possible. And we take everything into account and take every safety measure very seriously. So... Philco Carting,
1: you're the leader in commercial waste collection services in New York City, according to your biography. And as we've said, you've teamed up with Union Local 108 to offer job and life skills training sessions to members of underserved communities. That's kind of it in a nutshell. The trainees, 66% of whom were formerly incarcerated, learn about unions, workers' rights and safety protocol and they are trained for careers in waste removal. You give me one um really good story success story. any other success stories of how some of these former inmates you know went into the program they went on to buy a house have a family um they raised kids i mean it's just everything about it seems net net very
2: positive absolutely. One of the stories that I remember hearing a couple of months back when the program had their graduation was um That One of the peer mentors was in a very similar situation to one of the students that had uh, recovery issues and was starting to get back on track after, you know, either a certain sentence or just trying to get out of uh, his, not get out of his own way, but, you know, get out of the, he, he wanted to make something of himself. Right. So he really decided to take this program seriously, do the motions through it, and then become a peer mentor to not only the four uh, graduates of the private sanitation course that just happened, But a peer mentor to anyone who goes to him. And he's really been a success story and kind of the face of the Pathways program. But you know, there's another
1: side to all of this as well, Joe, is that um, right now we hear in America and in the Western world, you can't get uh, enough workers for some of the. Vocational skills for jobs in, you know, waste disposal and collection, um, in all the so-called dirty jobs. And there's a big uh, TV series running on that, um, mm-hmm. at the moment. And and these jobs, these jobs pay really middle-class wages. I mean, you see, and there obviously is a need for uh, professional uh, skills and training. We get all that, and, and doctors and nurses and scientists. We need all those, but the kids in high school some of them would be better served you know if their aptitude wasn't up for let's say the liberal arts or becoming doctors or nurses or whatever maybe considering a vocational trade or in your industry and even if they are the brightest people in the class it could still be a, a, a great way for them to uh, go straight into the workforce um have no student debt and uh, make a lot of life decisions and maybe retire actually earlier than some of the doctors and nurses who will be saddled with student debt for many years.
2: I, I couldn't agree more with that because I think there's a lack of awareness of these vocational jobs, as you're saying, because everyone is so gun ho on doctor, lawyer, you know, all those jobs that do require years and years of education. And not saying that that's not a positive thing. However, someone who wants to get into a trade such as construction, electrical work, HVAC, or even waste sanitation or waste management, there's so much opportunity there that people don't understand. And with New York City being probably the most demanding city for, you know, the waste industry, we need all hands on deck. And I'm sure as you can understand that New York City is the, the garbage issue is always talked about how the city's either dirty or the city's got trash everywhere, but that's what we're here for. And when we have more people that we recruit, that's, that's the job. It's kind of the unsung hero of the city. So uh,
1: the mission of the program is to recruit, train, and help provide career opportunities to deserving participants, specifically those in the reentry community for lifelong careers. That's what you do. That's what you will continue to do. Um, do you see this growing, this program, I mean,
2: in New York City and around the nation? Absolutely. I mean, to start acutely with New York City, the one program that uh, Path is has, where it's their skills construction uh, course, they had 25 students that are currently in the class right now, and 150 interviewed for the class. So it's very competitive right now. And right now that we have four in the waste industry, we're looking to double or even triple that number and starting in February or March, I believe.
1: That's just quite amazing. Um, where do you see the program five years from now? Where will it be at? I mean, obviously we're talking about growth here, but do you think maybe the criminal justice system will wake up and say, gee, yeah, we've been doing some things wrong. We haven't been paying enough attention to rehabilitating people. That seems to be a big problem because if there's so many of former inmates back in prison, then obviously they're not being guided and directed properly.
2: I do believe the program is going to grow, and I do believe there is going to be a point where the justice system is going to wake up and have that aha moment and say we are not doing the job to help rehabilitate and refacilitate these individuals who have been impacted by the system. Yeah, that's why Philco is here, though, Mm -hmm. because we're really able to take people in. Yes, you can. If there's baggage, there's baggage. However, the job that we try to train you for is going to help you sustain a very long and successful career and help you provide for your families and make something of yourself. That's the ultimate goal is to make something of that oneself. And that's what we're here for. A couple of
1: um, elementary questions. Uh, These uh, workers or employees that come from the underserved community, it sounds like a lot of them are from minority communities. Yes. As we would define them, if you will. Um, Do you have any people out there in the general population uh, again i'm pushing back but playing devil's advocate because i'm supportive of the program um who might say hey gee you're hiring and you know we've discussed this but um you, you're hiring but you know these uh, people from the underserved communities and former inmates but gee i want my son to get into that and he you know he never did anything wrong and you're just you know you, you're maybe given too much preference to those in that community and not to those in the, you know, in another community, does, that ever, does any issues ever arise on that or is it not an issue?
2: It's not an issue. I think that when, through the, what was it, 66% of those were formerly incarcerated have been a part of the program. That's that statistic. However, if anyone's interested in joining the program because they see an interest in it, they can absolutely apply and go through the motions and do the interview process through Pathways to Apprenticeship. It's not just to those who may have been underserved or um, impacted by the justice system. It's anyone who wants to learn a specific trade can apply, interview, and then take the course and graduate and then get their career path started.
1: So that's an important distinction. So it's really open <coughs> to to any people in the community, men, women, or minorities under, underserved, or anybody wants to have a, a career and start with Philco or any of the other and um, programs out there uh, what's it like in your industry i mean it works 24 7 we're in the christmas holidays heineken whatever holiday you celebrate. i celebrate christmas uh i am thinking you do too um uh, joe so but you, it, it, the industry never sleeps right i mean you're going to be busy through the holidays
2: i think people realize that the garbage industry it doesn't sleep at all but when you have new york city combined with that and say that never sleeps it just seems like it's just nonstop, you know accumulation of garbage and the holidays prove so mm. it's almost like you kind of have to hold your breath until january first where then you go okay we made it through the holidays and now we got to start all over again yeah but so it's a very exciting time a busy time but it's very hectic with a lot of you know the the, the garbage situation
1: yeah 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 no i would imagine you would need to have a very um sharp sense of organization and operations and timing is critical and you have to work with the city and various ordinances and you know i i don't want a a whole primer on the garbage industry but it's interesting because you have all this waste disposal and i'm sure come uh december the 26th and 7th when everything gets you know after christmas the wrappings and so on you're going to see a bigger pile up than you might have in other times of the year
2: 100 percent at Philco, we have the best of the best in the industry, whether to our drivers, our helpers, or even those who help operate our, our entire company. We only hire the best of the best. Philco Karting
1: has teamed up with Labour's Local 108 on Pathways to Apprenticeship Program, and the sessions offer career and life skills training to underserved members of the community. And as you said, it's open to others as well, you're one of the family members and managers at Philco, uh, Joe, and your dad's been there and it's, it's been a successful program and it will continue. Do you want to give us any information if people want to get in touch with you? Is there a website, any ways they can contact you?
2: Absolutely. I mean, Philco started in 1910. You can find us on our website, www.philcocarding.com. And we're also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter.
1: Thank you, Joe, for being on my show.
2: Thank you, John. Appreciate it.
0: You are listening to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. You can reach the host in the U.S. at 973 529 4699. That's 973 529 4699. 973 529 4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's Burndesk B Y R N E Desk at gmail.com. dot com. at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.